Inside Florida Politics, powered by the USA Today Florida Network. Governor Ron DeSantis enters the home stretch of his struggling presidential campaign. Debate season is heating up with a pair of debates for DeSantis over the next week, and a new poll shows Florida voters support abortion rights. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson, and those are some of the stories I'll be discussing this week with Gannett State Capitol reporter John Kennedy and Palm Beach Post politics editor Antonio Fins. But first. gentlemen we're back uh, from thanksgiving break i hope you had a, a, a nice uh, holiday season and uh you know uh, stored up some numbers for us uh, this week john what do you have zach i did come carting in a big post-holiday uh, post-thanksgiving pre-christmas number and it's a whopping 47.5 47 right. and a half 47 and a half, which is also the size of your Thanksgiving turkey, right, John? No, right. It was a, it was a good a big, bird. <laughs> lots to feed. How about you, Antonio? Uh, what's your number for us today? Well, I came in higher with 3.2 million, but I'm not talking about uh, Thanksgiving leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a lot to finish. We've been working on that for a while. Well, my number is... 60. Remember those numbers, folks. Uh, We'll tell you what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. Throughout the summer and early fall, as Governor Ron DeSantis struggled to find his footing as a presidential candidate and sank in the polls, his supporters always could find consolation in the fact that there was time to turn things around. And that's no longer the case. It's crunch time with just seven weeks before voting begins in Iowa. And DeSantis desperately needs to start catching fire, but is entering this final stretch in worse shape than at any point of his campaign, with former President Donald Trump well ahead and former United Nations Ambassador Nikki Haley challenging for second place. John, there's a history of candidates surging around this time of year and and gaining momentum towards a surprising finish in Iowa. Barack Obama did it against Hillary Clinton in 2008. The problem for DeSantis is that all the momentum seems to be with Haley right now. Yeah, it, it does seem like DeSantis is going in reverse. He, you know, even as he's about to meet this weekend, uh, his goal of visiting all 99 Iowa counties, that would match uh, Mike Huckabee, Rick Santorum, and Ted Cruz. Those are Republicans who also hit every corner of Iowa and then won the caucuses in races in uh, 08, 12, and 16. Uh, but, you know, it looks like at this point, History is going to stop with DeSantis. Uh, The Florida governor now is battling former U.N. ambassador, South Carolina governor uh, Nikki Haley for second place in Iowa, uh, both of them miles behind frontrunner Donald Trump. Uh, DeSantis has poured everything into Iowa, and if he can't take second place, his, his White House bid is likely over. The, uh, the Trump campaign has been mocking both of them with a kind of a you know Ricky Bobby description of them both vying to be the first loser, but with uh, Haley much better positioned for the open primary contest that's coming up in New Hampshire and then her home state of South Carolina right after, uh, DeSantis' campaign will likely go off in a puff of exhaust smoke if he can't finish a, a clear second in Iowa. You know, maybe he does. Uh, He's been endorsed by the state's popular Republican governor, and he got a recent mostly expected endorsement from a key Iowa evangelical leader. And, uh, you know, Christian conservative voters are a significant amount of that Iowa caucus crowd. Uh, He's got what he's what they, they call, you know, a good ground game in Iowa, which is critical for turning out supporters at caucuses held on a freezing Monday night in January. <laughs> yeah, I uh, mean, I, I read an article recently that was talking about how he's really running 
a textbook campaign with some of the things you mentioned where he's, he's going to all these counties. He's doing what they call the full Grassley, um, uh, Chuck Grassley, the, the U.S. Senator from Iowa, who, who uh, always goes to all the counties every election cycle. Uh, you know, he's got this ground game that you just talked about where he's really going out uh, and trying to uh, secure these these caucus pledges, um, meeting with as many people as possible, getting these big endorsements. But uh, it all seems to be for not. Yeah, I mean, it, it just really does feel like the air has gone out of the DeSantis campaign. And, uh, you know, as we're speaking of evangelicals, uh, you know, maybe only a miracle turns the tide for him in Iowa. Uh, I, I think perception is now a key factor that's hurting him. And uh, Haley seems to be rising as the Trump alternative. And uh, DeSantis has been mocked and eviscerated by the Trump campaign for so long that a lot of their imaging has stuck to him, uh, you know, not even counting his own spending organization and messaging missteps, which have been plentiful. Um, you know, you, you just wonder, uh, how does he turn this around in the waning days? Yeah, it almost seems like DeSantis is playing a game that doesn't exist anymore and that uh, Trump has really changed the game. And, and DeSantis hasn't really acknowledged that it's it's a lot more about personality and, and con co connecting with people more on a, a gut level than than this sort of um, retail, uh, you know, kind of uh, routine kind of going through the motions, checking all the boxes of what a good campaign uh, is supposed to be like. Antonio, uh, we're talking about DeSantis here and his struggles, and, and they come even as Trump continues to make some pretty uh, outrageous comments that uh, a lot of people have shocked, continue to shock people, although I'm not sure that there's a lot that can shock people with Trump anymore. He was talking recently about uh, using uh, the legal system to go after his enemies. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I, I would say right now that uh, team Trump would argue that they're the ones with the momentum because the polls show him to continue to have a large lead and particularly in these early caucus and primary states and his campaign put out and he did as well on Truth Social videos of him getting big cheers this past weekend at a, a college football game in South Carolina, which happens to be momentum have her right now, uh, Nikki Haley's home county. But, you know, Trump's statements and, and where we are is actually, you know, it's 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 kind of a a remarkable political story in many ways. I mean, we, when when we had this discussion at this time last year, it was in the heels of Trump's kind of lackluster presidential campaign announcement, and then that dinner that he had with uh, Yay, formerly Kanye West, and uh, white supremacist Nick Fuentes, and people were thinking, oh my God, you know. It was on the heels of DeSantis's big re-election win, and then ultimately, you know, the New York Post, or the Murdoch Empire paper, calling him the future of, you know, that he would be the the guy, the the, the big man on campus this year. But it hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been that way. And, um, you know, but but there is in his rhetoric, there kind of is a warning for Trump here. You know, in the past two months, in particular, his rhetoric has become uh, quite incendiary. You know, we've we've talked about this in the last podcast, and you know, and since then, we have now reporting by the New York Times about a purported second Trump administration plans for immigrant camps as holding pens for the massive deportation effort of up to 15 million people from this country, and, and suggesting by Trump himself that he would task the U.S. military to patrol and police liberal American cities. And look, you're you're right. His base has shown time and time again that he can't get enough of inflammable rhetoric. You know, the more radioactive his talk, 
the more they applaud the fallout. The problem is Trump could risk losing support among you know the general population, you know the the more independent voters and suburban women that are more concerned with inflation and the economy than witnessing a civil war against the so-called deep state, especially as gasoline prices fall. UNF has a poll out this morning, University of North Florida. Uh, the survey that even here in Florida, the Trumpiest state in America, his approval rating is just 48 percent with an unfavorable rating of 49 percent. Yeah, so, but, yeah, but, but these yeah. polls, some of the recent polls have shown him beating Biden in these these key swing that, states. Yes, it doesn't seem like it matters. Yes, but that's my point. So, yeah, Trump is in the lead by far. And, and in those polls, in the particular six key swing states show him up be, by more point percentage points than the margin of error, you know, but as we've seen in the last year, you know, fortunes can change quickly too. Uh, fortunes, you know, were not in his favor a year ago. They are now. They could turn in, in, in the next 12 months. So yeah, his base loves that rhetoric, but got to watch out for the rest of the country because you know, it's not just a Trump base will be voting next November. Yeah, I just wonder, though, it, it, these issues that that uh, we're talking about here, what, what a lot of people view as attacks on democracy, attacks on the legal system, um, you know, efforts to uh, remove checks and balances in the federal government that would restrain his power. It seems like, you know, these are these are big issues, but but it seems like, you know, for a lot of people, they're, they're looking at the economy, they're looking at other issues. Yeah. And and we saw that in the 22 midterm election. Remember the, the big red wave, the tsunami that was coming because people were so worried about the economy. And at that time, by the way, we were at almost a 40 year high uh, rate of inflation. And then what happened? Well, they were talking more about election denialism. They were talking more about the 2020 election. You had these candidates in all these states that, you know, these, particularly the Senate candidates and some of the gubernatorial candidates, the Republican nominees were talking a lot about election denialism more than the economy. And what happened? The Republicans did not win the Senate. In fact, they lost a seat and they lost some of these key gubernatorial races as well. So that's the point here that if you hone in on the economy, you have that's 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 what's going to get you across the finish line. When you start getting into we're going to send in the military and we're going to go after the deep state and we're going to, you know, basically wage war on the enemies list. That's where people start tuning out. I also think that some of Trump's comments are not getting as much attention as they used to. There's just sort of like fatigue with everything um, that he says and and uh, uh, the media and, and, uh, and others just don't uh, kind of tune in uh, as much as they used to. We'll see if that changes as as we get past the primary and into the general election. I think there will be a bigger spotlight on some of these things. And if he continues um, to say things that that uh, like he like he has, and and maybe that does uh, move the needle a little bit. Well, as DeSantis enters the home stretch of his campaign, he once again is appearing on the debate stage. In fact, the governor will debate twice in less than a week. The first debate is tonight. We're recording this podcast uh, Thursday. 
November 30th, uh, and DeSantis is debating this evening, and it's it's really an unusual matchup. It features uh, Florida's governor versus California's Democratic governor, Gavin Newsom, on Sean Hannity's Fox News program. The second debate is next week against uh, with DeSantis against his GOP primary opponents. Antonio, which debate do you think is more interesting? Well, Zach, something tells me that the thriller in Hannity's villa is likely to get the higher <laughs> ratings here. But the more meaningful one is likely to be next week's fourth encounter among the GOP presidential rivals. Uh, let me explain. Look, tonight's debate is hosted by, by Hannity, as you mentioned. So that alone is going to get you a large share of audience. Uh, he's, he's got one of the higher rated shows on in, in evening political uh, television. And it's Plus, also interesting because it features a Democrat versus a Republican. You could have Democrats yes. tuning in to see if uh, Newsom can can uh, give uh, DeSantis uh, uh, a, a little bit of what they'd like to see, put him in his place. Yeah, and that's that's actually a really critical backdrop because what you really have isn't just a Democrat and a Republican. No, you have the Democratic governor of the quintessential blue state debating the Republican governor of the quintessential red state. So it's, it is a really compelling narrative. Uh, so that's, I'm gonna be watching it. It's gonna be a, a really entertaining matchup. The problem is, to a certain degree, look, it's all empty political calories because there's really nothing at stake. Newsom, Newsom isn't running for anything right now, and, and DeSantis is badly trailing Trump in primary polling as you and, and uh, John just discussed. So for that reason, it's really next week's likely final debate among the GOP candidates that could be more determinative. That's because, like you said, Nikki Haley has taken advantage of these debates and she's capitalized on them to separate herself somewhat from the so-called undercard lineup. So next week could be her last chance in front of, a, of an audience to continue building that momentum and try to mount a, 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 a viable challenge to Trump. Uh, but don't take it from me. Take it from Trump himself. After largely ignoring Haley, Trump has tried out a nickname for her, Bird Brain, which shows he's taken notice of her rise in the polls. And if he's taken notice, notice, gentlemen, then so should we. Yeah, the, the empty political calories uh, comment is is a good one. I mean, uh, there's it, it could be compelling viewing, but it, it really you're right. There's not um, much uh, at stake here tonight when uh, DeSantis and Newsom go up against each other. DeSantis has tried to gin up the idea that, oh, maybe Newsom uh, is a dark horse candidate who could replace Biden at some point. But that seems uh, pretty pretty far-fetched. So yeah, the next week's debate will be fascinating to see. Um, so far, Haley and DeSantis, they've nipped at each other a little bit here and there the, at the last debate, um, but the format really, the moderators kind of kept it from being too uh, aggressive. It'll be fascinating to see if, as uh, this gets closer to the finish line here in, in Iowa and, and DeSantis needs to uh, kind of knock Haley off her stride if, if, if this gets a little bit more uh, aggressive next week. So we'll be watching for that. Well, there's a lot of issues that are likely to come up in these uh, debates, but one 
that has consistently been mentioned throughout this uh, election cycle and has driven election results across the country is abortion. And there is new polling showing DeSantis is out of step with many Floridians on this issue. DeSantis approved a ban on abortions after six weeks of pregnancy, but 62% of Florida voters say they support abortion rights up to the point of fetal viability. That's according to a poll released this week by the University of North Florida. Pro-choice advocates are trying to get a constitutional amendment on the ballot this year in Florida protecting abortion rights. The new polling shows it could be popular and Florida Democrats are likely to try and campaign on the issue. John, we've talked a lot about Florida really not being uh, a swing state anymore after DeSantis had a pretty overwhelming uh, re-election uh, victory. But the abortion issue, what do you think? I mean, is that going to give Democrats some hope when they see polling like this? Well, if that constitutional amendment makes it onto the ballot, and uh, and that, that remains a big if, given that the ballot language has to be approved by a Florida Supreme Court made up mostly of DeSantis appointees, well, it, it does seem like the abortion issue could power some Democratic victories across the state next year. Um, U.S. Senator Rick Scott is running for re-election, and his biggest victory margin ever was uh three percentage points over Attorney General Bill McCollum in the 2010 Republican primary for governor. Uh, since then, he's won election by you know a percentage point or less. Uh, so that's a potential race where abortion rights on the ballot could make a difference. Uh, similarly, some congressional races across the state could turn with a large number of uh, independent voters, a, a big Democratic turnout, and maybe some Republican women viewing the GOP and its candidates as, you know, kind of tantamount to a, a threat to abortion access and intrusion into what many see as a very personal private decision. But uh, if Florida has turned decidedly Republican with voter registration margins now clearly favoring the GOP, but um, abortion rights may be something of an equalizer, at, at least in some races and some parts of the state. Uh, when it comes to presidential, well, President Biden does not look like he has much of a chance of carrying Florida at this point. But uh, if former President Trump does become the Republican nominee and uh, what results from the many criminal charges he's facing, um, abortion rights in Florida could become a, a turnout driver that you know, could bring the state back to its purple history somewhat. Although uh, those nail-biting election nights that we once knew uh, now seem, you know, pretty much gone. Yeah, well, what we're going to see uh, next year, uh, whether, whether uh, Florida does continue to to be in play or not, and, and it'll be pretty interesting to watch how people like Rick Scott respond if this abortion um, a constitutional amendment gets on the ballot. Does he, you know, uh, you know, go against it pretty aggressively or does he kind of try and soft pedal, uh, you know, his uh, con concerns about it? It'll be uh, can can Democrats tie him to something like that um, if, if he is 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 not, you know, uh, known necessarily as as an anti abortion crusader. It'll uh, you know, th those types of things, will, those nuances will, will be interesting this election cycle if this issue does, uh, uh, in fact, get in play in Florida. Well, we'll move on to some numbers here. Uh, Antonio, you want to tell us about yours? Yeah, uh, Zach, I had 3.2 million, and that is, according to a study by Raymond James that was cited by Axios, that's the number of people in Florida who are enrolled in an Obamacare health plan. And that number puts Florida number one among U.S. states. Uh, but just this week, polls leading Republican candidate Trump again reiterated his pledge 
to terminate the law, officially known as the Affordable Care Act. Now, Democrats immediately pounced on Trump's statement. The Biden campaign called it a dangerous promise. Former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said it showed Trump is hell-bent on coming coming after Americans' health care. And Florida Democrats said Trump was threatening life-saving health care for Floridians, especially many Hispanics in Miami-Dade County. And party chair Nikki Freed uh, called out the Trump vow by saying it would imperil 750,000 uh, particularly Hispanics in Miami-Dade's uh, cities of Hialeah and Doral. Those are localities dominated by conservative voting Cubanos and Venezolanos. Now, did Trump commit, as Pelosi later said, a bad political move? Well, judging by past election results in Florida, no. See, there's this odd political incoherence in the state. And where Obama, you know, where Obamacare is concerned, at the same time Floridians embrace Obamacare, they also hug political leaders who hate Obamacare. Trump, for example, after trying to kill the law in 2017, won Florida handily in his 2020 re-election bid by a comfortable 3.3 percentage point margin. And that's after Biden, eventual Vice President Kamala Harris, and former President Barack Obama all came to South Florida ahead of that 2020 vote to warn about the clear and imminent danger that Trump posed to Obamacare. But then Trump even won big in Miami-Dade County's Hispanic enclaves, where in one of them, Hialeah, officials today are planning to name a major road after him. So what gives? Why is this disconnect? Uh, there are a few reasons. One, many who, of those who access the plan you know, are, tend to be lower-income people, including immigrants, who are not either consistent voters who simply, or who simply are not eligible to cast a ballot. Two, Florida's economy is dominated by small and medium-sized businesses and sole proprietors who hated the initial Obamacare mandate that required people to buy health insurance, which they saw as a tax. And three, that mandate was also seen as big government intrusion, big government forcing people to purchase a service they believe was their personal or should be their personal decision. And in Florida, that is textbook socialism. Yeah. And then there's a fourth reason I'll throw out there is as an immigrant myself who grew up in these enclaves in Miami-Dade, I will also add that this thought that, that I've witnessed play out over decades. The Democrats' message on Obamacare is basically something like this. Vote for us because we're giving you this policy that you need. The Republicans' message is vote for us because our low-tax policies will help you become wealthy. Immigrants, especially Hispanics, tend to be aspirational. They will make whatever sacrifice is needed today to get to a better tomorrow. And that is why I think in the hearts and minds fight between Democrats and Republicans and Obamacare, Hispanics in particular have sided with Republicans and against a law that really has been beneficial to many of them. I also think, Antonio, it's sometimes you don't know what you have until it's gone. It's like with this abortion issue. Abortion has become just a, a really dominant political issue because, uh, you know, Roe v. Wade was overturned and now uh, people don't have uh, a guarantee of abortion rights. And I, I think sometimes people don't necessarily realize what they have until it's taken away from them. And if he was successful in repealing Obamacare, that might uh, be an explosive issue. That, but uh, yeah, that might. Then, I, I actually spoke to Nancy Pelosi this week about that, and she made that very point. It's, it's interesting, though, and, and it, whether it impacts the election in Florida, 
it, it does seem like it could impact, you know, some of, in some of these other uh, swing states, you know, in suburban areas and uh, in other states, uh, you know, Pennsylvania or, or uh, you know, Georgia or things like that. I think Democrats would be pretty happy to run on health care and uh, abortion. So, um, you know, we'll see. Yeah, uh, if Trump himself just confirmed that because he issued another pair of soap missives <laughs> yesterday. So he no, walked no, it back immediately. It. Right. Yeah. He immediately walked it back. So maybe he isn't going to focus on that going forward. Um, John, you want to tell us about your number? Yeah, Zach, uh, you know, as we've been talking, you know, for a long time, it's evident that DeSantis has a problem with 45 that's former President Donald Trump, who was the 45th president and who, like DeSantis, is now looking to become the nation's 47th president. But my number, 47.5, is percent. And that's the margin Trump now holds over DeSantis in the race for the Republican presidential nomination, according to the latest Real Clear Politics polling average. Um, and, and that's bad. <laughs> considering it's well beyond the 34% lead Trump had back on May 24th, when DeSantis formally kicked off his presidential campaign with that memorable glitch-filled Twitter Spaces production that featured Elon Musk. Well, you know, a, a lot has changed since then, uh, not the least of which is uh, is Twitter, now known as X, the name change uh, occurring under the leadership of the mercurial Musk. Uh, but DeSantis has been mostly consistent with his campaign consistently going down since that fateful kickoff day. Um, De DeSantis then was polling as the presidential favorite of 21 percent of the Republican field. Now he's only the favorite of just under 14 percent. And as we mentioned, Nikki Haley seems to be the non-Trump with the, the most momentum right now. Uh, Trump, though, is now the favorite of 61 percent of Republican voters. So uh, th that is a, a big gap. Uh, you know, unlike Tr DeSantis, uh, Trump has been mostly climbing, the only blips coming amid his four criminal indictments. Uh, DeSantis, though, has had a pretty lousy streak as we recently passed the six-month anniversary of his official campaign start. Um, you know, right now, the clock is not his friend. Uh, we'll soon be into the holiday season, and January coincides with the start of the legislative session here in Tallahassee and the Iowa caucuses, which are widely seen as, uh, you know, really DeSantis's make-or-break moment. Uh, the caucuses are January 15th. The session starts January 9th. So we may see the governor back full-time in his day job here by maybe the middle of the month. Uh, you know, remember 45, the Donald still looms large, but 47.5%, the margin DeSantis is facing, well, that, that looms even larger. Well, John, my number is also a polling number that looks bad for DeSantis. I, I guess there's a lot of them <laughs> floating around uh, right now, so it's, it's easy to pick them out. But my number is uh, 63, as in 63% of Iowa voters said that Kim Reynolds' endorsement uh, made no difference on how they viewed uh, DeSantis. Uh, th that was something that the governor really promoted when he got it. You know, he worked hard to court uh, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, who's hugely popular in uh, her state. Um, and her endorsement was seen as as a real coup for his campaign. You know, uh, Iowa governors often don't endorse. They try and stay neutral uh, in the caucus races. So for her to throw her hat in the ring was seen as a, a pretty big deal. And then DeSantis got this 
endorsement from Bob Vanderplatz, who's a, a well-known evangelical leader in Iowa, and, and he seemed to be you know, lining things up to, to make a push here. But uh, there was a poll that came out recently that showed that um, you know Iowa voters just don't care. It, it just doesn't matter uh, that uh, if they like Trump and uh, you know uh, having folks like Kim Reynolds is, is not going to, uh, to uh, make much of a difference in their minds. 13% of voters in the poll did say that that it made them uh, view more uh, DeSantis more favorably, having Reynolds in his corner. But I talked to the pollster, and um, this was an interesting survey. That they actually um, survey people, the same people, over and over again, repeatedly. Um, a bulk of the poll, uh, the people in the poll are uh, people who have responded to it in the past, so he could track kind of uh, who the people were who were, who were responding. And those 13% who said they were more favorable to DeSantis based on Reynolds' uh, endorsement were already supporting DeSantis based on previous polls. So so basically, the endorsement had uh, no impact, which we've seen in these broader Iowa polls, which show DeSantis flatlining and Haley uh, creeping up on in or even tying him uh, in some surveys. DeSantis is going to have a, a big rally with Reynolds um, this Saturday, where he's going to celebrate that he uh, hit all uh, 99 counties, uh, as John mentioned earlier. Um, but again, as we mentioned before, it, it seems like DeSantis is running a race that uh, it, it, playing a game that that has changed. You know, he he's doing sort of this traditional campaign in Iowa, racking up endorsements, uh, going to all these small counties. Uh, Trump, you know, he's flying in. He's also having a rally this Saturday, and and he's done none of that. He comes in, you know, every few weeks, holds a rally, um, you know, gets people riled up, and and then leaves. Um, whereas DeSantis has basically moved to Iowa and, and is and is, is is campaigning there uh, full time. Uh, and yet Trump is just kind of blowing him out of the water. So it, it, it seems just uh, like a, a different political environment. And DeSantis has struggled uh, to adjust to it. Well, that wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our audio production guru, Thomas Cordy. And thanks to all of you for listening. We're out of here.